Turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. We're continuing, of course, our study of the life of Christ as seen through the eyes of Matthew. Matthew, his other name was Levi. He's a tax collector chosen by Jesus to follow him, to be a disciple, to be an apostle. And Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew, presents Jesus as the king of the Jews. In fact, what we realize is that Matthew wants to make sure that the nation of Israel realizes that Jesus Christ is indeed the Messiah and the king. He is the Savior. He is the promised one. He is the one that is the greater son of David. And what we see is that Matthew shows Jesus Christ being born king, living as king, and even dying as the king of the Jews. This morning, as we continue in this Gospel, and of course, we never get tired of looking at the life of Jesus Christ, whether it's through Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Each one presents Jesus in a different way, but you never get tired of looking at that. This morning, we're continuing, of course, with this ministry, and then like the first two chapters, we saw the birth of Jesus Christ, and then chapter two is early life and all those things. When we get to chapter three, uh, which we started last week, 25 years have passed. Jesus was about four or five years old back in chapter two. Now he's close to 30 years old in chapter three, and we're beginning to see that John, John, the one we call John the Baptist, to see six months older than Jesus, we see the start of his ministry, and then right after that, we're going to see Jesus coming and, and being baptized by John, and so we're going to see all this. So this morning, we're continuing to see John the Baptist. He is the forerunner. His name is John. He announces the coming of the King, the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And as we look at chapter 3, I think there's several things stand out. One is just the idea of baptism, because they're coming out to be baptized, and we'll say, what is all that? But the second thing that stands out is this idea of judgment because he's making a a plan. He basically says, listen, Jesus is coming and he's going to baptize either with the Holy Spirit, that's a salvation aspect, or with fire, which is a judgment aspect. And we'll see as we study this morning how that fits together. Let me raise some questions for you. Who are these religious leaders who come out to John? And what is baptism exactly? Are there different kinds? And what are the different kinds? We mentioned them last week. And, and does baptism have anything to do with salvation? That's really one of the issues. And how does the baptism of John differ from the baptism of Jesus? And so as we look at this and go through the passage, we'll see those kind of things. Well, you know, when you think about background, everybody really wants to know their background. If you turn on the TV, there's this 23andMe and all of these deals that people are doing trying to figure out where they came from, what's their background. My brother, as you know, my brother passed away just in the summer, and I really loved him. And and he had done this DNA thing and basically got information, and and he said, you know, we're brothers, we're pretty much the same. So we found out that we're 52% English and 29% Scottish and 9% Viking, right? Okay, so, so that's why I'm so tall. I think I came from the Vikings, right? So who knows? Uh, but ancestry is very important when you think about it, and, and think about it in the life of Jesus. He had to be connected with David. He had to be a descendant of King David to be the Messiah and the Savior because the promise to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 17 was that David's son, his greater son, one day would sit on the throne forever. And so for Jesus, for even John or Matthew when he started the book, to say that Jesus is the king of the Jews, he has to be a descendant of David. We've already seen that. Sometimes there's confusion on background. I've talked to people who think because their grandfather was a pastor that they're pretty much okay with God, or that because they grew up in a Christian home, they're okay, or that because they went to church when they were younger, that they're okay. We know this, that just because somebody in your family is a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. In this passage today, we're going to see the religious leaders and many of the people thought that because they were Jewish, that they had a relationship with God. 
When these religious leaders come out, and if you just said to them, religious leaders, do you think you're okay with God and you'll be with him? They would have said, of course we are. We're Jews and we keep the law and we do all of this and we're religious leaders. He, they thought they automatically had a relationship with God. The truth is, whoever puts their faith in Jesus Christ has a relationship with God. I want you to understand that Israel was special. They were chosen as a nation for service, but each individual Jewish person had the trust in Christ the same as us. So even though the nation of Israel are God's chosen people, he chose them for service, not for salvation. Salvation is individual. So individuals, all of us, are saved by faith alone and not because of our background, whether we're either Jewish or Christian. I mean, if our background is Jewish, uh, Jewish mom and daddy or Christian mom and daddy, that doesn't make us saved to right with God. It all comes by faith faith alone and Christ alone. So John's going to make that point as we see this. Let me give you the outline of the passage this morning. We're going to go pretty fast through it, but we're going to see that John and the religious leaders, John gives a message of judgment and warning, and then he talks about baptism, and he talks about his baptism, and he talks about Jesus' baptism, and we'll talk about that and make sure we understand. And so what we've seen so far is the birth of Christ, the protection of Jesus. Joseph takes Jesus to Egypt, and then they come back. When they get back, they go back to Nazareth, and now as we start chapter 3, or as we're in chapter 3, they've been there 25 years. And Jesus is now a man. He's, he's 30 years old. John the Baptist is about six months older than Jesus. And so we see them, and we see the ministry, and what we've been seeing is John. Now, what happened is, out in the middle of nowhere, I didn't bring the map, we didn't put the map this time, but if you remember, out in the middle of nowhere, this man by the name of John suddenly appears, and he looks, he looks wild. He's never cut his hair. He's called a Nazarite. A Nazarite was a vow that people took. They could take it for 30 days, 60 days. They could take it for longer than that. John has been a Nazarite since birth. That means they've never cut his hair. And he's got long hair. He's got this uh, locust. He's eating locusts and wild honey. He's got this wrap thing around him, and he's out in the wilderness. And he's proclaiming and saying, repent, change your mind. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's telling them, the Messiah, the king is here, and you need to change your mind. And, I mean, he's wild looking. And sometimes people think he's Elijah. Sometimes people think he might be the Messiah. They say, who is this man? They even sent some religious leaders out, and they said, are you the Christ? And he went, no. He said, are you Elijah? And he said, no. And then they said, who are you? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. I'm the foreshadow, uh, the forerunner. I'm the one who was supposed to go before the Messiah and point out that the Messiah and the King is here. So that's what we saw. And as we started chapter 4 last week, that's what John was doing. All of a sudden, he appeared out in the wilderness, and he was telling people to change their mind. The, the Messiah was there. And in verse 3, he said, uh, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven's hand. And, and Matthew writes this down and says, John is the one who is the voice of one crying in the wilderness. But what happened what was so weird is these Jews all started coming out there, and John the Baptist, that's why he's called John the Baptizing One, he was baptizing Jewish people in the Jordan River. Jews didn't baptize Jews. Let me put that up just so you could get this. Jews didn't, Jews didn't baptize Jews. They baptized Gentiles who wanted to identify with the Jews. But see, baptism is for identification. So what John is saying, if you believe the Messiah's here, the Savior's here, the King is on the earth, the greater son of David is here, and he's already pointed him out. We can't see it in the Gospel of Matthew. We'll see it next week. I'm going to point it out. He's already seen Jesus, and he's already told people, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's saying to these people, if you believe that the Messiah is here and the King is here, you can be baptized to be identified with the kingdom. That's what baptism means. It means identification. And so he's baptizing people, and they've all come out there. 
And as we look at this, there are two different things we're going to see. Oh, they, they came to identify with the king and kingdom. But though, we see that John has a baptism. We call it a ritual baptism because it deals with water. And then we're going to see that Jesus has what we call a real baptism because it's not dealing with water. It's called the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, if you were here last week, at the very end, I gave you eight different baptisms that are found in the Scripture, four of what we call ritual baptisms and four of what we call real baptism. This morning, we're going to see John's. In fact, let me put it down this way. This morning, we're going to see a ritual baptism, a water baptism, which is John the Baptist. That's identification with the kingdom. But he's going to mention about Jesus' baptism, and Jesus has a dual one, the Holy Spirit and fire, and we're going to explain it as we go through this. Now, let me raise this one thing just to make sure that people aren't confused. Sometimes when people talk about baptism, they think baptism might have something to do with salvation. I'm talking about water baptism. And sometimes people will, there are, there are denominations and groups that believe that you have to be baptized to be saved, that when you get baptized, that automatically saves you. The, well, the Bible doesn't say that at all. Salvation is always by faith alone in Christ alone. And that baptism, water baptism, is a testimony of a believer who is trusted in Jesus and who has eternal life. It's a testimony to show people that they have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior. So that's what I want to make sure you understand, that when these people are coming out to John and he's baptizing them, that has nothing to do with their salvation. He's baptizing them because they've already believed. They believed in the Messiah and the Savior and they believe that the King is on the earth, that the Messiah is there. They they may even already know him by the name Jesus. We don't know yet. We don't know in the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to see it over in the Gospel of John a little bit later. And so here, here they, here, here's what we see. And just remember this, that the baptism of John was to identify with the Messiah and the King. So just picture crowds of people, crowds of Jewish people coming out to this wild-looking man and he's saying, you need to change your mind. The king is here. The kingdom of heaven is hand. And people are coming out and saying, I believe in the Messiah. I believe that he's here. And he's baptizing them, identifying them. Well, the gospel of John tells us that religious leaders came out questioning him. Matthew doesn't tell it quite exactly like that. He says they came out to see John. Look what happened when they came out. Look at verse 7. It says, but when he, John, saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers and snakes. He called them snakes. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Let me just say it this way. John the Baptist did not win any uh, likable contest. You know what I mean? He, he, as soon as they walked out there, he said, you snakes, who warned you to come out here? Now, let me, the Pharisees and Sadducees, let me just tell you who they are. First of all, that's, they're two religious groups. Let me give you the main religious groups at the time of Christ. The Pharisees, they came from a group when the Jewish people went off into captivity. They went off captivity because they didn't obey the Bible. When they came back after 70 years, a group of Jewish people said, from now on, we're going to obey the Bible. Did that sound good? What if all of us in this room stood up and said, from now on, we're going to obey the Bible? We'd say, yeah. That's good. They said we're going to separate ourselves away from those who don't obey the Bible. That's the word Pharisee. 
Now, what happened to the Pharisees is not only did they try to live by the Bible, they had all these rules and legalism, and eventually they thought, as long as you keep rules, you're okay with God. So that's the Pharisees, and most of the time we don't like the Pharisees. When we see them in the Bible, they're really negative, they're legalistic, they hate Jesus. Okay, there's another group called Sadducees, and Sadducees literally means righteous ones. They were the wealthier ones. Most of the priests were Sadducees. The Sadducees would be what we called the liberals of today. If you had today, the, the Pharisees would be the real conservative, legalistic people, but the Sadducees would be the liberal people, and the Sadducees said, we believe some of the Bible, but not all the Bible. We don't believe there's any angels. We don't believe there's any resurrection. That's the Sadducees. And that's why we used to say they're sad, you see, because they don't believe that sort of thing. But anyway, that's, they were called the Sadducees. There's another group which were called the Zealots. They were Jewish people who hated the Romans, and they had knives, and they would stab people. And uh, they hated the Romans so much that any time they got a chance, they would assassinate. Like if there was a Roman standing there, they might come up behind them, take a knife, stab them, and just go away. You know. And uh, if you remember, that when Jesus picks the 12, he picks a man by the name of Simon the... Zealot. He, one of the guys that joins Jesus used to be a zealot. And then last but not least, there's another group called the Herodians. And those were the people who favored the family of Herod. Remember Herod the Great? Herod the Great died and all his sons got the land. And uh, this, is, uh, th th this was people who said, yeah, we like the Herod family. We want to make sure they stay in power. So those were groups. But notice, coming out to John, it says, he saw many of the Pharisees, that's the legalistic ones, and the Sadducees, that's the liberal ones, coming for baptism. They were coming out there. Now, let me, let me just raise this point. Why in the world would these religious leaders come out there? And even to be baptized. I think what they were coming is, look, they don't believe this, because we're going to see in a minute that John knows they don't believe it. I think they saw all these people going out there. They're saying, hey, we're the religious leaders. We're the ones people are supposed to be looking at. We better go out there and see what's going on. We better go out there and connect with this thing. And so they've come out there sort of to identify and check with this man named John, and that's what they've come out there for. And John won't let them get away with it, because he knows they're not coming because they believed in the Messiah. They're coming to make sure everything things okay. So, so what? Listen, I was in a church once that there was a guy in the church that he wasn't a Christian, but he came to everything because he believed a certain way, and he wanted to make sure I believed that way, and so he would check on me. He says, I'm just here. I'm here to make sure you don't do something wrong. I said, well, I appreciate it a lot. You know, thank you so much. And that's what the Pharisees are trying to do. They're coming out to say, we don't know who this John guy is. All these people that are going out there, we better go out there and sort of connect with this and make sure it's okay. So they've come out there, but John's not going to let them get away with it. Notice what it says in verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, you snakes, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? He said, Who warned you to flee from the wrath? Now, the wrath, what is he talking about? The wrath is God's judgment on unbelievers. And what it is is separation. He calls them snakes, liars. Now, remember, who was the serpent of old? That's Satan. Satan's called a serpent. The wrath to come is God's judgment on unbelievers. Notice First John three thirty six. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he does not obey the Son. That means to believe. Will not see life, but what? But the wrath of God abides on him. The wrath of God is separation. The wrath of God is separation from God from all eternity. You understand 
that one of these days when people die, what, Jesus is going to come back, set up a kingdom, there's going to be a time that there'll be a division, that all who believe in Jesus Christ will have eternal life and be with him forever, and all those who did not believe in Jesus Christ will be raised from the dead to be separated forever, called the second death or the lake of fire. That's the wrath of God. And so there is a separation coming. And they, these people, really, they're not believing in the Messiah. And so he's saying, who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? And then he goes on and says, therefore, bear fruit in keeping repentance. And do not suppose that you can say in yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. Let me just stop there. He says, you, you believe? Show me you believe. And in the flow of this passage, if you go to the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Matthew, he actually tells those who do believe to live righteously. But he tells these people to show me. And that what he means is to tell me. What do, you, what do you actually believe? When you look over in some other places in the New Testament, that when it says our fruits, because he says show me bear fruit and keep in repentance, the fruits is their message. He actually says to them, tell me what you believe. Why are you coming out here? Who do you think you are? Do you believe in the Messiah and the Savior as the king or not? And they don't, of course. And watch what he says because they actually think that because they're Jewish and because they're leaders that they're okay with God. And look what he says. He says, do not suppose that you can say to yourself, this is verse 9, we have Abraham for our father. We're descendants of Abraham. We're Jews. He says, for I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. He says, listen, uh, just, be, just because that you think, he, he knew that uh, repentance is a change of mind. He said, because they, they believe in the Messiah and the King and publicly identify, he says this, he says, the religious leaders believe that because they're Jewish, they were God's chosen people, that they were already saved. Listen, I talked to a guy that he was a particular denomination. And this is when I was young. I was in my early 20s. This guy was like 16. And I talked to him about Christ. And I said, let me ask you a question. If you were to die, would you go to heaven? And he said, yeah. I said, why? And he said, because I'm a, and he mentioned Methodist, Baptist, he just mentioned the denomination. I said, what does that have to do with your salvation? He said, well, well I'll, go, I'll go to church and I'm a member of that denomination and I'm saved. You know, and these religious leaders thought they were religious leaders and Jews and because they were Jews, they thought they were automatically saved. The Jewish people are God's chosen people. God chose the nation for service, but the individual is saved always by faith. Paul was Jewish, but he wasn't saved because he was a Jew. He saved because he trusted Christ. Peter was Jewish. He wasn't saved because he was Jewish. He saved because he trusted Christ. Abraham was Jewish, and guess what? Abraham wasn't saved because he was Jewish. Abraham was saved because he believed God's promise of eternal life and the, and the Messiah would come through him. So God gave us, by the way, God gave us the nation of Israel, and there's a reason for that. Through the nation of Israel, he gave us the word of God. This Bible is a Jewish book. The only possible writer who might not have been Jewish, and we're not sure, is Luke. He may have been Jewish, we're not sure. And then they gave us the Messiah and the Savior. And just remember this. We have eternal life, not because of our background, or our heritage, or our relationships, or our family, but because we have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. We have trusted Him to give us eternal life. Now, he tells them that. He says, wait a minute. Who do you, look, listen, he says, just because you're Jewish, you think you're saved? Listen, if God wanted to, he could take these rocks. That's what he tells them. He could take these rocks and make Jewish people. He can do anything he wants to. 
Being Jewish doesn't save anybody. And look what he goes on to say. The axe is already laid at the root of the tree. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. He's saying, listen, uh, there's, there's a judgment coming. And it's coming rapidly. You know, and time-wise, we think about time, but a thousand years is a day, and a day is a thousand years to God. He's outside of time. When this is being said, he's saying, look, God's ready for judgment. He's been ready for judgment for a long time. We never know when Jesus Christ is going to come back. He could come back at any second. He could take us out of here. There'd be the tribulation, the kingdom, and then eternity. It'd be over before we know it. And a lot of times people say, we got plenty of time. Plenty of time for what? I don't know how much time we have. Jesus could come at any second. And uh, so he says, listen, the judgment is ready. God is ready in the judgment and those trees that are unbelieving trees, so to speak. And this is what his point is. He says, if you believe there's salvation, if you don't believe there's, there's separation, and that is the truth, that every human being who trusts in Jesus Christ has eternal life and saved forever. And every human being that does not believe in Jesus Christ will be separated from God forever. That's what the scripture says. It's really hard, but it's true. Now, I want to, he's going to show you, John is going to show you or tell us, and Matthew's going to repeat what he says, we're going to see the difference between John's baptism and Jesus' baptism. Look what he says, verse 11. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he's coming after me. I, he's mightier than I. I'm not, even, I'm not even worthy to remove his sandals. He will baptize you. Now, see, I'm going to baptize you with water. But he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. See, John says, I'm going to baptize you with water. That's a, that's a ritual baptism. That's identifying with the king and the kingdom. And I want you to think about this. Here this person comes out and they say to John, I believe the Messiah is here, the Savior is here. I believe he's the king. I'm trusting him as my Savior. He's saved. He gets baptized. Later on, when the church begins, all of us, any of us, think about you. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, how did you show people that you had believed in Jesus Christ as Savior? I know there's traditions that people say, if you've trusted Christ, you need to walk down an aisle and show everybody. That's not how the Bible said show everybody. The Bible said show everybody by being baptized. Baptism is your testimony that you have put your faith in Christ. So John says, I baptize you with water. But that's just a change of mind. That's identifying with the Messiah and the Savior. But when Jesus comes, I'm not even worthy to take off his shoes. He's saying, I'm not even worthy to be a slave. He is so great. He is mightier than I am. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, the Holy Spirit and fire, that's two different things. And when you think about it, the Holy Spirit, that's the idea of salvation and fire. That's the judgment. See, by faith in Jesus Christ, we're baptized by the Holy Spirit. That means we're placed in Christ. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. I hope every one of you in this room, you have put your faith in Christ. You've been baptized by the Holy Spirit and placed in Christ. However, by rejection, there's going to be a baptism with fire. That's the wrath. That's the separation. That's the second death. So he says when Jesus comes, he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And all those who believe... That's the Holy Spirit, you're saved, all those who reject. Let me show you this. There's this little chart. I always put this chart up. That's Jesus' first coming. He died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. This is us, the church age. The next event would be the rapture would be taken out. There'd be the seven-year tribulation. Then there's the second coming of Christ. He sets up the kingdom. Then there's the thing called the great white throne judgment. Let me just tell you, if you put your faith in Christ and trusted in him in this time, you, are, you have eternal life, and this, that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If a person does not believe in 
Jesus Christ as Savior. When they die, there will be a time they'll be raised to stand at the great white throne judgment. And if their name is not found written in the book of life, and it's not, they will be cast into the lake of fire. That's the baptism of fire. That's the separation. It is a sad thing. We have to understand that, that wherever any human being is, if they trust Christ, they're saved. If they do not trust Christ, they're not saved. Let me tell you this. We live in a culture, and I mean, look at my watch because our clock is broken back there. Oh, I got another hour. But no, I'm just kidding. Uh, we live in a culture that says there are many ways to God, and each person must decide for themselves. That's not biblical at all. There are not many ways to God. There's only one way to God. It is Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. He is the only Savior, and salvation is by faith alone and Christ alone. Every human being that trusts in Christ has eternal life and is with him forever. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Every person who does not believe in Jesus Christ rejects him. They will be separated forever. That's the baptism of fire. That's what he says. And he says it's coming. Look at verse 12. He uses this analogy. He says, his wintering fork is in his hand and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor and he will gather the wheat into the barn and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. You know, the threshing floor was a place that was on a high place and the wind would blow and they would take the the grain and stuff and they had had chopped it all up and had stuff run over, kind of crushed it down and they would take a fork and they would throw it up in the air and the grain was heavier and it'd fall back down but the chaff was lighter and it would blow away. And he's using the analogy and he's saying he's ready to shift it out and all the the wheat is going to fall down. That goes into the barn. That's the saved ones. And the, the, the chaff, the one that blows away, that's the unsaved ones. And let me just show you. That's what we see that the chaff is separation. He says the wicked are not so. That's Psalm 1 bore. That's wicked are not so. They're like the chaff, which the wind uh, blows away. And in this passage, he says the wheat's going into the barn. That's the believers. And he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. You know, you hate to say that, but that's exactly what the Bible says. If a person doesn't believe in Jesus Christ, they will be in the lake of fire forever. That's called the baptism of fire. If a person believes in Jesus Christ, they will be with him forever. So we can put it this way. Believe in him, baptism of the Holy Spirit, salvation, reject him, baptism of fire, that's separation. This is where we are. Now, when we look at this next week, Jesus is coming. He's coming out to John. And Jesus wants to be baptized by John. And we'd go, what? Uh, He's the king. What do you mean? Why does he get baptized? We'll talk about it next time. In fact, John even says, wait a minute. I think you ought to baptize me, not me baptize you. And we see what Jesus says. And we see what happens when Jesus is baptized. So many were coming to John to be identified with the kingdom. Religious leaders came out. He challenged them. He said, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? There's judgment coming. They thought being Jewish would save them. Listen, it's, it's not your background. It's faith alone in Christ. John's baptism was a water baptism, which identified with the king. Jesus has a baptism, which is going to be the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is salvation, or the baptism of fire, which is separation. So let me give you some applications quickly, okay? This is first. Let's, let's understand baptism. Baptism means to dip or to identify. It shows identification with something. You realize there's a ritual baptism in this passage, John, to identify with the kingdom. Today, that would be water baptism, identifying with Jesus' death and resurrection. That's for believers. You're a believer and you get baptized. Okay. We also realize that there's the real baptism, which was the Holy Spirit and fire. The Holy Spirit is salvation, being placed in Christ. Fire is the coming judgment. So that understand that. Let us... Proclaim salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. That's our message. 
We're to make disciples, which means going to this community, leading people to Christ, and then bringing them in here and training them and equipping them. And you know this, that anyone who believes in Jesus Christ has eternal life, and anyone who rejects. And so in this one, all who believe in him have eternal life. And that's baptism by the Holy Spirit. That's what's placed in Christ. All who, and then let's do the last thing. Let's warn those who reject Jesus Christ. You have to do this in love. You don't just go to a person and say, because you didn't believe in Jesus Christ, you're going to hell, and that's too bad for you. You can't do that. You've got to love them, and you've got to say, I love you more than you can imagine. And if you do not believe in Jesus Christ, you'll be separated from him forever. Think about this. All who reject Jesus Christ are separated and have eternal life. By faith in Jesus Christ, baptism of the Holy Spirit, eternal life. Rejecting Jesus Christ, baptism of fire, the second death. May we proclaim in this community the good news message of salvation by faith alone in Christ alone for eternal life. They'll be baptized by the Holy Spirit and they have eternal life. Those who do not believe, which breaks our heart, will be separated from God forever. That's called the baptism of fire. May we see many people trust Jesus Christ as Savior.